Welcome to Build 'em Up, where we hear from great people building the health and well-being of rural communities right around Australia. This Build 'em Up podcast is proudly supported by NBN. I'm Claire from the National Rural Health Alliance, together with Gabrielle, our CEO and passionate rural health advocate. Thank you, Claire. And in episode seven, we're catching up with Lana Mitchell, who's chief storyteller for the Royal Flying Doctor Service. So welcome, Lana, to Build 'em Up Network across Australia. So, Lana, on Build 'em Up, we chat to inspirational people on the ground in a rural community. But this episode's a bit unique because your RFDS it's part of the community in thousands of towns and villages and remote settlements across Australia. And you've also been working for the RFDS for seven years or so. So, can you paint a picture for us of of what that sort of diversity of rural towns and communities looks like? Uh, yes, Claire, I can. The RFDS is a large organisation with a national service footprint. Uh, we cover more than 7.69 million square kilometres across all states and territories of Australia um, with about 1,900 staff and a fleet of 79 planes and 180, I think it is now, road service vehicles. Um, we can work very closely with primary health networks, with the local hospital districts, with um, the GPs that are within um, regional communities, as well as remote area nurses and, and health professionals all over the country. Um, and of course, with such a large footprint, there's a significant diversity in both um, landscape, in climate, in uh, socioeconomic um, uh, status of, of individual communities. And all of that has to be taken into consideration when you're providing a health service. Well, thanks, Lana. Um, and certainly when you were talking about um, some of those aspects of RFDS and, you know, basically that sounds like it requires a lot of flexibility on behalf of um, the health professionals, but it, the RFDS does have this robust and highly experienced group of health professionals that respond to emergencies and provide primary care in a whole lot of different communities. So what does providing the finest care mean in reality? That's one of your taglines about finest care. What does that mean? Yes, well, that's, uh, I guess, since the very beginning. We were founded in 1928 by Reverend John Flynn, and his vision at the time was to provide what he called a mantle of safety for people who lived or worked or travelled in the bush. Um, his view was, uh, and, and it still is very much our view almost 94 years later, that the biggest challenge we have in Australia is this tyranny of distance. And uh, it doesn't matter where you live within this large continent, you should still be able to enjoy the provision or the access to health services. And that's, you know, seeing the doctor having a baby, um, you know, managing chronic disease, um, access for injuries, accidents, seeing a dentist, access to mental health services, all of these things that we enjoy and just take for granted uh, in either regional or metro areas in Australia must be available uh, to the broader uh, communities that live in rural and remote Australia. And that's where the finest care comes in. 
Uh, it is our mantra. We've got very dedicated staff who are, are really keen to make sure that it doesn't matter where you are, that we will make sure that you get that care. Well, certainly those values of RFDS um, very much align with those of the Alliance. Um, it's, a, it's a really complex operation for RFDS to drop into local communities. So how much help is actually needed on the ground and by whom? Oh, look, we've always traditionally worked very closely with the communities that we serve. And I've routinely said that we actually couldn't do our job if it wasn't for the people that we work with. I'll give you some examples. Um, to land a plane in a remote area on a dirt strip requires that somebody, a volunteer, unpaid, has gone out and made sure that there's no kangaroos, there's no emus or any other wildlife, cattle uh, on the runway, So, um, both to protect those animals and also to prevent an accident with our planes. Um, we also land, we, we operate 24-7, so that means that when you have to land on a dirt strip in the middle of you know, a very remote area, there are no lights. And so somebody has to come out and actually either, um, you know, depending on where the location is, it's either LED uh, light system put up or a solar system that's in that's activated or um, there's even, you know, dunny rolls in diesel, uh, soaked in diesel in cans that are lit to get, make sure that a plane can land. All of that requires a volunteer. Um, but that's just, that's, probably only just one aspect. I think there's even a broader context. Um, we, particularly when it comes to accidents and injuries, we rely on first responders. Um, we rely on the people there on the ground who are able to keep a person alive, to stem the bleeding, to uh, take the necessary care for a burns victim, to uh, you know conduct CPR to keep a person alive. These things are vital and we wouldn't be able to save lives if it wasn't for the first responders. So there's a very close um, network and, and bonding and education process and a continual uh, refresh of, of that um, to make sure that we can uh, best serve those uh, that live in remote areas. And I guess the last one, which is also really important, is we have a, an ongoing uh, telehealth service which operates 24 seven. Um, those doctors can speak to um, anybody no matter where they are and they can prescribe um, antibiotics or whatever it might be. And all of those um, pharmaceuticals are held in a network of medical chests all around Australia. It's about three and a half thousand of these large medical chests under custodians. And these, again, are volunteers, really trusted people within local communities who look after these little mini pharmacies. And when uh, the, there is a need and there's a script uh, to hand, they dispense that um, those pharmaceuticals to the people that need it. So I'll give you an example. If you had a, a mum, uh, lives on a remote station, she's got um, a three-year-old who's had a fever for two days, the fever's not breaking, she speaks to the telehealth um, doctor. The doctor um, pulls out a prescription um, and she has access to that medical chest, to the pharmaceuticals, to be able to then um, administer those to her daughter. Even though you know her closest township is 800 kilometres away, she can still make sure her daughter gets the care that's needed. And all of that's under the supervision of our telehealth doctor. So that's a very long-winded answer, but we... We rely and, and honestly couldn't do our job in community without community. Um, it's it's, it's a, a shoulder-to-shoulder effort. 
Absolutely. And that's that whole thing of, you know, it takes a village to raise a family. It takes a community to, you know, look after the health and welfare of of, um, of people who that you live with and, you know, love and support. So um, it sounds like it's a sort of a, a real equal like mix of technology driven and you know the logistics of it all is enormous but then you've just got this incredible um depth of you know um stakeholder engagement with all these thousands of communities right across the country is that a fair assessment oh absolutely and in fact in in many locations uh, so in remote south australia as a classic example we've got four or five generations of families that have had um, one or the same or or um, continu- uh, continuity of service from the rfds um, and so that's you know from birth all the way to the end of life um, and uh, and that's that's really really special it's something that we've lost to a large degree with the big medical super centers that exist in cities these days where you just call up, you know, roll in, get your 15-minute appointment and off you go. Um, when we're talking about health service in these remote communities, we almost, our staff to a degree, almost become members of the family, close friends. Everybody knows everybody by first name. Um, they are, uh, there was a lovely story recently where I was talking to an intern who was doing um, a placement with the RFDS in South Australia. And he said they went to, I think it was in Maori, they went to a small township there and um, uh, he was having lunch with the doctor. They'd they'd flown in to do a clinic and and this uh, intern was um, sitting with the doctor and he couldn't get a, a word in edgewise because they were sitting in a small cafe and he said every single person that walked in stopped to have a chat with the doctor and everybody knew everybody and, you know, was talking about all manner of local news and it was just really apparent that this doctor was, um, even though he didn't live locally, he had been there and provided service for so long that everybody knew him and it was such a good casual relationship that everybody felt very comfortable just walking up and saying good day. And I think that really typifies how um, the relationships that the RFDS staff have in these remote communities and how that's a long-running relationship that, as I said, often goes over generations. And now with 94 years of history behind you, um, have you got some sort of out of the bag stories that you can tell us about, um, you know, some of the, the, the more peculiar or more challenging um, RFDS responses that you've had to manage? Oh, look, there'd be too many to count, Claire. Um, but I will say I'll do a selfless <laughs> plug here and say that um, we've actually got a podcast of our own called The Flying Doctor Podcast and um, we're just about to release our yeah. 29th episode. And these are stories of just amazing, absolutely amazing, challenging uh, circumstances that people find themselves in. Um, uh, and And I think when it comes to... Uh, health provision, often it is that resilience. We call it the Aussie spirit, uh, but there's this persistence and courage and uh, capacity to be innovative um, that really allows um, us and others to live in these remote parts of the country. There was a story um, that comes to mind where a young kid, a 16-year-old kid, had accidentally ridden, he was on a motorbike, he'd actually ridden 
into a barbed wire fence and actually cut his his throat so severely that um, his windpipe had actually fallen all the way down into his lungs and he wasn't able to breathe properly. Um, But that particular story, though, it's horrific and and still makes me shudder um, thinking about the details of it. That was an example where um, an RFDS um, staff member uh, flew in or a surgeon. In fact, there was quite a a bit of effort to make sure that we saved this young kid. Um, And he did did live, in fact, my podcast story on this. um, He's now in his, I think, 40s. Gosh, I hope I got that right. Um, And though he does have a very raspy and hoarse voice, um, he lived to tell the tale. But they were talking about how they had to find a rubber tube to be able to uh, actually get uh, air into his lungs and they didn't have anything close to hand um, and ended up just using literally a piece of um, rubber uh, tube from the shed, uh, cleaned it very quickly and, and inserted it so that they could save this kid's life. But it's it's one of those things where, and I think even we've got a, a TV show that has recently aired a drama and that too has a couple of examples of which are based on real stories of where you sometimes have to do the unusual because you don't have all of the resources or facilities or um, equipment that you would enjoy if you were in a you know, tertiary hospital in Sydney or Melbourne or, or somewhere else. Um, so, yeah, I would suggest checking the Flying Doctor podcast and you'll probably find a zillion stories mm-hmm. of innovative ways that lives have been saved. Well, we love good cross-promotion with Alliance members, so that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, selfless, that's what I said, selfless. Yeah. So, Lana, I was actually going to ask you later about that whole um, notion about whether the Royal Flying Doctor Service um, TV show at the moment that's um, been on, on one of the stations, but uh, how authentic all of it is. But it sounds like from what you're telling me that it is pretty authentic. Uh, the, the sort of things that come up. Yeah, we're really, really happy with that show. Um, so it's a drama series, eight part. It's just, um, it's still available on 7 Plus for anybody that wants to binge watch. It's an absolutely superb series. And of course, you would know that in the 80s, we had a, a TV show called The Flying Doctors, which ran for, I think it was 16 or 17 years. It's still it's still running today in Switzerland and other parts of Europe. Yeah. Um, and it was the fact that that show now has, you know, surpassed its 30th birthday and we knew it was time to bring a contemporary version um, to TV screens. The purpose of it is and has always and will always be just simply to educate people on what it's like to live and work in remote areas and how the Royal Flying Doctor Service plays a part in health provision um, it's an educational piece, it's a brand piece, but it is very authentic in terms of um, its scripting and, and the stories that are told. So, for example, this first series really talked to the drought. It talked to the toll, the toll that the drought has had on many, 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 many communities. Um, it talked to um, kidney disease. It talks to... Um, suicide it talks to a number of of major issues that are really quite significant and real issues uh, across country australia today but i'm painting a pretty bad picture it's actually a a fairly upbeat uh drama with a lot of laughs and um (laughs) a feel good it's not a oh my gosh let's walk down misery lane um 
it has a lot of drama in it and the scripts are based on real stories. It's quite iconic. Yeah, they're based on real stories. So what would happen is we would yeah. we collected, in fact, the researchers uh, spent quite a bit of time with us and we collected all sorts of real stories and forwarded them so that they could be included and, and make it a very genuine and authentic show, not something that's been dreamed up in a Hollywood studio somewhere. Mm. So how do you manage that? Because, I mean, Flying Doctors, the old show, you know, it's up there with sort of the, you know, we are Australian anthem in terms of being a really iconic um, Australian product, if you want to call it that. Um, So it pretty, you know, it sort of has that hero status as well in terms of, you know, the donations it gets. It's incredible. It's got such a lovely high profile. So is that a bit of an, a double-edged sword for you in managing sort of the reputation of the RFDS? Look, we're really, really lucky to have the trust of the Australian public. Um, in 2021 this year, we were uh, awarded the Reader's Digest Most Trusted Charity uh, status and we've there's a, a survey of all the top national um, charities in Australia and uh, it's been running for, I think, 10 years or 11 years and for nine or 10 of those 11 years, I think it is, um, we've been taking the top spot for the most reputable charity. That's not something, it's an unprompted survey. It's not something that we go out and actively work on. And I've been asked why or how it is that we've continued to have or maintain that reputation. And all I can say is it comes down to our working community and the fact that our staff are, are really dedicated to provide um, just yeah, the finest care and to they are very, very passionate and dedicated staff wanting to work and help in the community. Um, is it a double-edged sword? Well, it keeps us honest, that's for sure. Um, I'm pretty ruthless and I know that executive teams around the country are very ruthless about making sure that we keep our nose very clean and that we do what we're supposed to do with... Um, uh, what we've been uh, with contracts and, and so on and so forth. And I think um, the most important way you can maintain a reputation is to continue to be authentic, to be genuine and to not get into a bunch of chest beating. It's actually not about us. It's actually about the communities we serve. And, and I think that's what we have to continually remind ourselves that, yes, the RFDS is an iconic, you know, organisation. It's not a term that I would normally use. But, yes, we are, you know, well-loved. We are known and um, uh, across this country almost um, fable legend style, but it's it's – it's it's uh that's just a brand um in truth it's all about the service it's about the communities we serve it's about the individual patients the families the businesses it's about enabling people to work to live um to travel through remote australia and to be able to access that healthcare when they need it and as long as we stay focused on that all is good So tell me, um, Lana, if you could pinpoint, you know, what do you think it makes you and colleagues, your colleagues, bound out of bed each day? Oh, gosh. Uh, I mean, without question, I know I'm really, really grateful to work for this amazing organisation and have no plans to go anywhere anytime soon. And I know that genuinely 
Um, we have a really uh, amazing longevity with staff. Um, it's not unusual for our clinicians to have been working with us for 10, 20, 30. In fact, I think there was even a 35-year anniversary recently. Um, we've got pilots. And so it is what gets us out of bed is, is again, providing that service, those relationships within community uh, it's the care and the love of, of people that live in the bush that keeps everybody getting out of bed. And I, and this is probably one of the reasons why I just love this Flying Doctor podcast is because I get to talk to people who have used our services and rely on our services. Um, an example is a story. I'll, I'll give you a quick example. One of them is a, a, um, a podcast interview cool. I did we just a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> Um, and this is a, a, a young woman, um, mid-30s, who's got um, kidney failure. And uh, mm. so we had to transport her. She's in um, a remote part of South Australia uh, in between, almost dead in between Adelaide and Melbourne, right there on the coast, beautiful part of town or part of the country. Um, and But she's a, a fair way from any kind of tertiary hospital, and yet she actually has her kidneys have failed. And so... There's been a couple of really scary times where she's had to be transported and um, she's now on dialysis and so forth. And then she got pregnant and the delivery of a, a baby with a, a mum who's got kidney failure can be quite dangerous. And so um, that in itself was a whole adventure. Her baby is now you know, 10 years old and, and doing well, but it was it was quite scary for a while there. And then just most recently, this is in the last couple of years, her mum um, uh, has had a series of strokes. Um, and again, the RFDS has um, has been instrumental in making sure we could get her care and that she's okay. So we've got three generations right there in that one family who've, they the last count, they've used our services seven times um, and each are completely bona fide, but beautiful. And all three are, are, are doing well and um uh, so that's just one example. Um, another fast example is um, another story just done last week, which is uh, a young bloke who'd been on the um, Birdsville track and his mate had stepped out of the car uh, to go to the bathroom and had um, stepped unknowingly, had stepped into almost a, a thermal mud pool um and was swallowed up and, and essentially up to his neck in boiling mud yeah. um and uh so there's yeah the story of that one again and so these these stories are uh, they get me out of bed because they're you know these people are the just most courageous amazing people and that we can come and help to save lives and to see them see another day to me and I know this mm. is for staff all around the country it's what gets you out of bed you say this is why I'm mm. here this is you know I can play my little part in this larger organization and if we can help people to um, continue their lives um, and in the case of the man that fell into the thermal pool he's alive and in fact he's going to be traveling Australia shortly with his wife once the borders open um yeah, it's it's what gets you out of bed. It's what gives you a, a smile on your face and you say it's all worth it. What amazing sort of foresight of John Flynn all those years ago um, to do that, that sort of work or had this vision for what could be achieved and certainly those stories you've told us, um, it seems like essential, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I Somebody asked me once, you know, do you think the RFDS, we've been, as you know, we're approaching our 100th birthday, but 
somebody said, do you think you'll still be around in 50 years? And I said, well, Australia's not going to get smaller anytime soon. <laughs> so I don't see that. I, I don't see us going anywhere. I see that our mission is going to remain the same. And though populations change and technology changes and, and so forth, I still see that the Flying Doctor is going to be very much a part of Australia's health system for decades. Um, and I should say or, or um, clarify around that 1.2 that we are a charity, um, but we also enjoy um, the support of both the federal government and also state government. So about one third of our budget, national budget, comes from um, the federal government um, with ongoing contracts for primary health healthcare. And that's similar to or based on the Medicare system. So it's where um, we provide free service to those that would um, otherwise not have access to Medicare services. Um, we also have about one third of our budget, which comes from state um, contracts. So this is dental services and all sorts of things, actually, um, depending on the state and what's needed. And the last remaining third comes from the charity of Australians um, through donations, through fundraising, through bequests, um, through corporate partnerships, um, all of that. An amazing, complex, but obviously um, absolutely essential and loved service um, right across Australia, which is brilliant. Look, Lana, thank you so much for um, talking to us on Build Them Up. Um, we loved hearing the insights and the stories of um, what the RFDS does and the crews and the effort and um, support that they put in. So um, thank you so much. We love seeing and hearing about, um, about the RFDS and we look forward to maybe talking to you again um, down the track, uh, maybe for the 100th birthday. <laughs> so right, thanks for joining thank us. Thank you, Claire. Thank you so much. Okay. Think it's time to come together and be the spark. Let's be the spark and build them up from the ground up. Don't lose heart and don't lose touch. Build them up to stay in the fight. Gotta keep the hope in the country alive. And thank you for your support in Talking Up Rural Health Across Australia and our thanks to NBN who are lifting digital connectivity and capability across rural, regional and remote communities. If you like hearing upbeat, community-driven health stories like the RFDS, get your monthly Build Em Up podcast by heading to ruralhealth.org.au forward slash build them up. Along the lines of the cracks on a face Still the magpies sing